0: Hey fried friends. In the craziness of this time we're living in, I have had the wonderful opportunity to meet so many of you on the free calls that I offer. And doing these free calls, there is a pattern that I noticed. Instead of selling you on -on one-on-one coaching, I've been sending loads of you over to my Master Your Own Energy online course. Master Your Own Energy is totally easy totally DIY, and it has a massive discount available to you through the end of April 2020. This course is an amazing way to get started on a supported path to ending your burnout cycle without the investment of one-on-one coaching. Master Your Own Energy was designed to help you find all the places where energy is leaking in your life, plug those leaks, and then rebuild your energy internally. It's an eight-week class that normally sells for $397, but you can get it for just $97 with the discount code COVID-19. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, and I'll see you in there. Now, back to this week's episode. Welcome to Fried, the burnout podcast.
1: Fried is the podcast for everyone who has ever felt burnout because of their job, relationship, or life. Kate Donovan, burnout expert, will interview a new guest each week who will share their burnout stories with all the gory details. Every episode will give you immediate action steps that you can take right now if you're feeling fried and crispy around the edges. Fried's main goals are to raise burnout awareness, kill the associated shame, and create a movement to end burnout culture.
0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fried the Burnout Podcast. Today, I am talking to Shamus Pitts, who I am very excited to talk about because I met her at a burnout roundtable discussion that was put on by the Elevate Network in New York City. And we had a good connection sort of at the end of the discussion, and it just turned into, you know, meeting up and having different, you know, conversations in the background. So, um, I love when some, when you meet somebody and there's just sort of this natural flow that you have with them, and I feel really lucky to have that with her. So I'm very excited to intro, you, intro her to you today. So Shamus Pitts owns Pitts Leadership Consulting, LLC. Her mission is to help people connect to their greatness and to strengthen the employee-manager social contract to support a thriving and engaged workforce. She does this through leadership coaching, training and development, Keynote speaking, and human capital consulting. Shamus has operated at the intersection of strategy, people, and business process for 20 plus years within the management consulting, financial services, education, and startup tech industries. Woo, that's a mouthful. On January 1st, 2020, Shamus launched a Let's Live in the And campaign to create conversations around leadership and well-being, which is one of the very big reasons that you are here today. So Shamus, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you.
1: Thanks for having me, Kate. I'm really honored to be here with you.
0: I'm so excited to have this conversation. So I open up every episode by creating space and allowing you to share your story. So I'm going to let you get into it, and I'm going to sit back and listen. And when I have a question, I will just pop in. All righty. So let's
1: see where to begin. March 15th, 2018. I was the COO of a startup tech company. It was the third organization in that space that I had been in that position. And we ran out of funding and had to shut down. And about a month before, I was at my annual Galentine's dinner with a friend of mine. And I said to her, You know what? My life isn't working for me. And I just, I know this is heading South. I know this, we're about to close and I'm just not going to look for another opportunity until I can connect with my purpose. And it felt very authentic for me to say to her that day. And we started talking about, well, what's next? And I said, you know what? I want to see a therapist. I don't want to see a coach because I believe that I'm at the center of what's not working. You know, you. I, I've been in situations and work situations where things aren't working and it's easy to point the finger. But after time and time again, I'm like, I still haven't found my thing. And I get to look within to figure this out. I'm like, I don't want a coach. I want a therapist because I believe that there was a lot of like, I call it dead mom stuff. My mother passed away suddenly when I was 17 mm-hmm. and I never got support around that. And I felt like a lot of the patterns of behavior were likely sourced from something from like 20 plus years before. So she, my friend gave me an amazing referral to her therapist who I still see to this day, bless him. And I really, I stepped in with intention to like, I get to have support. And I went every week and I was moving forward, slowly peeling back the onion of who am I? And why am I here? And then he and I were talking about mindfulness practices because I had a, I just had been in a stressful, my whole work life was just a, one bottle of stress, <laughs> one experience after the other. And I wasn't really doing anything to address it. And so he had talked to me about practicing mindfulness and Oddly enough, I'd been reading about mindfulness, and I took a class in how to meditate, and I was being very shamus about it, which is, I love formal structured learning, and I love then doing hands-on practice, but I just was still stuck in this structured learning environment, and I hadn't really started to explore what worked for me, so I really started exploring Mindfulness practices, figuring out what worked for me, and then spending time with the people in a mindfulness community. So I was immersed in it and got support around like what might work for me, and really just digging into like, again, who I am. And at the end of all that, I was like, I had this epiphany that I had been chasing impact at scale for my entire career, like chasing in a way that wasn't positive, right? Just the idea of chasing something for me, like, isn't a word that resonates in a positive way. Um, And I was chasing impact at scale. Like I wanted my purpose to be really big. But I had an aha moment, where I realized that I can impact people every day, just being me. And once I had that revelation, like my whole everything changed. And I really committed to leadership development because I love it and I'm good at it. Um, and it was just the end of like a 20 plus year journey to get to this place. and now I love everything that I'm up to, but um, and I, so I launched this launched this well-being campaign to really focus in on all of the areas of my life where I struggled and was challenged and still <laughs> continue to struggle and be challenged um, because As a leader, I really believe in leading by example. I'd been running organizations for, what, five, seven, seven years maybe. And I was operating from, okay, this is what it looks like to me to be excellent. But I didn't, and I was focused on other people, like do what's best, the care of other people. But I didn't focus on my care and I wasn't actually modeling what that should look like. So for me, this campaign is all about really being in the conversation of what does it mean to operate from a place of well-being? And I get to, and I recommit to this every day. I like to say I coach into well-being because I'm challenged with it myself. (laughs) And so (laughs) I'm constantly every day figuring out like, how can I operate from a space given all the things that I'm up to in a way that's going to be sustainable?
0: Yeah, you said a lot of things that I'd like to talk about, um, but I want to dig in a little bit more to what was actually happening to you mm-hmm. before what before that Valentine's Day conversation. <laughs> what was actually happening in your body? What were your okay. th- what was your thought process like? What was going on with you when you but when you were going yeah. th- before you started therapy? Like why? what made it so that you finally made that decision? Like that's a conversation that I have with so many people and it's usually a massive, like, I thought I had a brain tumor mm-hmm. kind of thing. So what was your part
1: of that story? Gosh, there's so many things. I mean, <laughs> so I had a stroke three weeks before I finished business school. How old were you? I was 34. Wow. Wow. And it turns out that I had a congenital heart defect that was undiagnosed. I had an atrial septal defect with mm-hmm. aneurysm. So, mm-hmm. everybody's born with a hole in their heart. Most people, 20% of the population, the hole doesn't close. It's called yeah. a PFO, right? Um, but my, the, the structural was defect was larger than average. So, it became an ASD. And then I had a floppy atrial wall. So, I had been working on a project all night. My arm, I lost use of my right arm. Everybody in the group's like, Oh, are you having a stroke? I touched my face. I'm like, ah, my face is working. And then we went and got sandwiches and then went back and kept, you know, doing our thing. I called my now husband. I was like, yeah, my arm stopped working, but I can still type with my hand, which I need for this project. So I'm just going to keep pushing. He's like, okay. And, um, Lo and behold, you know, the next day after, you know, we pulled an all-nighter, a friend of mine, uh, we're walking back to our apartments and I told her my arm wasn't working. And she said, you know, your mother passed away from a pulmonary embolism. I think that you should go to student health. So, you know, fast forward, eventually I'd been misdiagnosed and then they actually did catch the fact that I had this stroke. Um, and so, but I didn't slow down. I just, I kept going, Um, I ended up having an allergic reaction to the CT contrast, went down to New York, met with specialists, got back to school because I was a class marshal and I was like, you know, this is my thing, this is really important to me, didn't, and then started my (laughs) first job out of business school a couple weeks later with a heart monitor hidden under my suit and then only disclosed about two weeks later that I had that issue. And then not long after that, I ended up with active non-infectious tuberculosis because mm-hmm. my, my, my immune system was compromised. And at some point, either it was living in me or it jumped on me after. Um, so all of that, like, so that began the constant conversation with my doctors about my stress. So mind you, the stress didn't cause the stroke, but because then I, you know, I had a heart structural defect that I needed to fix and I needed to navigate through this. But it baby. was a factor. It was a factor. Well, I mean, probably. Chavis? Chavis. (laughs) Okay, that's that thing called denial. Yeah, Uh you know, not sleeping and, you know, being very intense at school likely did not help, right? Um, So, but it just, it didn't change my behavior. I was then in constant conversation with doctors about stress management in order to make sure that my body was thriving. And mind you, I was hooked up to a heart monitor several times, so I knew the impact of stress on my body. Somebody could walk into the room and I would see the monitor start to go off. So I did more sharing with other people about the importance of stress management, but I still did not do anything different about how I was living. So but that that had just been the same that I'd been doing like since undergrad. I just was working, working, workaholic tendencies, I gotta keep going. I want to give, 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 but I'd never really thought about like what I need to thrive, like my body. And I just kept pushing it. And every, you know, I, I could work out, but then I'd stop. And, you know, it wasn't until, gosh, there's so many things. Like there's a couple of times my stress was so bad. The first time I think I had a panic attack, but it wasn't diagnosed. Because of my ailments, I was admitted because I couldn't breathe. I was admitted. And they were looking at, you know, my my stroke stuff, my heart stuff. And a couple of days after that because they couldn't find anything, one of the residents I'll never forget took me to this place in the hospital and it was like this is, he's like this is my happy place. This is where I go when I need to get away from it all and he's like I really think that what's happening to your body right now is related to stress. And if I think back to what was happening at that time, I was in one of the startups and I was so busy advocating for other people but I just stopped advocating for myself. So there were things that were happening that I just let bottle up inside and just stopped speaking up. But again, I always I kept advocating for other people and fast forward there was another time when in my next startup, I mean I was I just wasn't I was barely sleeping and I was supposed to get on a flight to the Middle East and my body just shut down and I was just laying on the floor in the living room and my uh, my husband just looked at me and he's like, so I think this looks like the last thing. So what is it going to take for you to do something different? Ouch. Right? So I, I immediately quit that job. I gave one month's notice. And yet I still, I, I made better choices about the next opportunity, but I just still, I still, I still didn't get it. And that's why when that thing shut down, I was like, Shamus, get a clue. Like there there's this is this doesn't make any sense. There's a method to this madness that I need to understand. And so you
0: were at the center of this story. Something about your
1: operating system Mm -hmm. is Yeah. It was mal was malfunctioning. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I you know, I I I wasn't really my husband's always been very supportive. We've been together fourteen years, married for two and a half. But he can't you know, somebody can't make you do anything. Right. And so we always talked about things that weren't working, but I wasn't really committed to myself enough to, to really start making change.
0: Well, and you also have to, in order to make that decision, you have to sort of admit that what you're doing is incorrect. And what you said before at the very beginning, that even when you went into mindfulness, you went into it from a structured learning perspective. And you said earlier also that you are always striving for excellence. So we're talking structured learning excellence (laughs) equals perfectionism, being correct, being right, being... So how can you, when you have created this aura around yourself of being correct, of learning the right way, of being perfect, of doing the right things. Why would you make the assumption that you were doing something wrong? The Mm. assumption would be, my body is not keeping up with my life. (laughs) Right? You know, that's the kind of like, we we go backwards with it because everything that you were taught to do and and the ways that you created to be in the world turn out to be incorrect. Like that's a hard pill to swallow.
1: Yes. I finally, you know, through my purpose connecting with purpose journey that started in 2018, I finally realized that I had imposter phenomenon. Yeah. And when I had that realization, that was pretty huge because I knew I, I was, I, I've always been very, I had been very critical of people, but I finally realized that it was source for me being so critical of myself. Yeah. Like I didn't cut myself much slack at all. I was working crazy hours because I spent my normal workday time thinking I had to fix everybody else's problems because they'd mm-hmm. come to me saying, Shamus, can you help me? Shamus, can you fix it? And because I truly cared about them and part of my job was to quote unquote, find solutions for things. I was going about it in a way that wasn't building capacity. I, was, I wasn't teaching them to fish. Right. And so I wouldn't start my own work until like six o'clock and then be there until 10, 11.
0: Well, that also proves your value, right? This is something that I found to be true in my own life. I did things like that for people because if I was indispensable to them, then they would love me. Mm. Then they would value me. Then I would know that I was worthy.
1: Yeah. And then it gets back to all this dead mom stuff, right? Right.
0: Right. My mother lost her mother at the same age. So this is something that I've talked about a lot during my life. What happened when you were in therapy and you started talking about this?
1: Well, understand, we, dealt, we dove a lot into my role in the family. Yeah. And how everyone says that I'm most like my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of it was assigned, but some of it was also identifying with my mother in such a powerful way that I wanted to play that role and not really just kind of taking it on without asking for support. Yeah because I felt valued in yeah. being assigned that role. Um, but at times, because I hadn't been getting my own, getting support, it was, it was a heavy load. I don't want to call it a burden because I, I do see it as a gift. I always felt like it was. Now. Even then, I felt very honored that my siblings right. showed that role upon me in right. many ways. And that that was just part of my purpose. Right. But I didn't, and, I, and this is something that I'm still challenged with, like, I get to still ask for support. And, and, and I realize the power of my role in saying, okay, this is what I would like to happen. Can you help me get there as it relates to whatever family stuff, you know? So it goes, it goes deep. However, the thing that I've been exploring most recently also is that it has a lot to do with my dad right? My mom and my dad together built this wonderful thing. Yeah. She's from a lower income family growing up that valued education. And my father was an educator. They met in college. And so it was always be excellent, be your best, knowing that as a person of color, you have to be better, do your work, work really hard, keep moving, be excellent. Yeah. So, and then in the college prep high school I went to, it was all about excellence. Excellence. So I was like, hell, I didn't have, I didn't have a chance. Like I was going to turn out like this regardless, right? Because of the environments that I was in and recognizing though, that all of that helped me in so many ways. It's just, what's the other side of that coin? What's the dark side of that coin There was no conversation around the self-care. And that's why I'm so passionate and purposeful about being in that conversation so that folks know that they're not alone, but also recognize that we get to make choices every day about like what's working and what's not working.
0: Yeah. And I think that you bring up something really important because as a woman of color, there is a stigma. And there is a sense that you have to prove yourself more than the person next to you. And if that was another layer added on both in your reality and in the teachings that you got from your parents and from your school, then even if you're in a room of 12 people, but you're the woman of color in the room and everybody's like, we're done, you're going to say, no, I can do another hour.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And look, my thing was always, I'll take more work right? People, right. I, 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 operate from excellence. I'm capable. So people would give me more work, but then not take anything, nothing would give. Right. So I just had more. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, and then when I would ask, when I would finally realize that I needed support and I made a request, nothing happened.
0: Because so, she can handle it.
1: Well, yeah. And so part, this is my thing. Like I, this, this, I'm still working on this one. Yeah. Because I, because I really believe in making a request in a way, a clear request in a way that other people understand. Yeah. And so, you know, I can't go back in time, but, and I also get to be kind to myself and cut myself some slack, right? Because, right, you know, for as- not knowing how to do that necessarily at that time. Right, exactly. Because I'm like, was I asking in a way that was compelling? Did I use the right words? Did I advocate for myself in a way that given the other person's, Way of operating? Did I did it? Did I did it miss? Did it land? Or it obviously didn't land because I didn't. <laughs> get well, and the often, support,
0: right? I, I find that often women that are in sort of a people pleasing slash fixing role believe on some level that it's so obvious when other people need help that other people should sort of notice when you need help, even if to the outside, it's not very obvious. And this conversation has come up in my family quite a few times and in my husband's family, various times that there's like, but didn't they see like I sort of said something oh, like, yeah. Eh, yeah. you know, but you, yeah. because you see need, you see need and you see things that are broken that need to be fixed. So don't other people notice the things here in you that you're carrying that you have in your backpack of shit to get done this weekend after I finished working a 60 hour work week.
1: Yes. Yeah. And. Yes. And. I would outline the amount of time I would spend. All the things that were on my plate and, calc- and add up the percentage of time spent yeah. And be like, okay, so it's, and, and then present that to people, right? And to, right. To illustrate in a, because I'm a visual learner, like, yeah. this is what's happening. Yeah. So something has to give. I can't ex- execute in a quality way.
0: Right. And people right? still didn't get it.
1: No, they didn't get it. But again, I'm like, was it, you know, this is where it's like, okay, don't beat myself up, right? I was doing the best that I could at that time with the, yeah. the tools that I had. How would you do
0: it differently right now? I would
1: put myself more in the other person's shoes and appeal to like what's most important to them. And, and be at, you know, use my coaching skills to ask the questions of like, how can we move this forward in a way that's win-win because I know this is what you're most interested in, but these are things that I'm doing that nobody else is doing or is capable of doing on this team. So like what can shift and, and really creating space for that conversation. Yeah. And negotiating in a way and, and yeah. being clear about like what the end result looks like.
0: And even before that, I would say not raising your hands to take on the extra work in the first place.
1: Yeah. Uh, Maybe
0: I'm, you guys <laughs> well, can't well, see I, us right now, but uh, I am giving Shamas
1: a look. Yeah, I'm still working on that part, because, because that's things that I, you know, when, I, when I'm good at something and I like to do it, I actually find joy in it
0: right? until like, it's too much.
1: Until it's too much. Yeah. 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 And so th- another thing that I worked on is, is really saying no or not yeah. now. Let's or or not saying time. yes
0: in the first place, not yeah. offering. So what I find often is that we learn boundaries. We learn to say no, but what we don't realize is that we said yes to five things that nobody even asked us about. Mm. So we pulled five things into our basket that no one even asked us to do. Yeah. We just sweep things off the shelf. We're like, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. <laughs> and then we're like, no to that one thing. And, they're like, and then you're like, I said no to that thing. Like, I should be, feel better. But when you said no, you also took five other things off the shelf, right? You're laughing because you know this shit is true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: If you find yourself craving your next cup of coffee to get you through your day, your body is telling you something's wrong. Despite what you think, it's not normal to be managing your day from one burnt out moment to the next. Unlike your caffeine fix or other stimulants, Nadovim delivers a clinical dose of the key metabolite that enables your brain to improve its own function on an ongoing basis. Imagine that, the pick-me-up that keeps giving. Not only that, but NadaVeam's main compound, NAD+, Plus, has been heavily researched, deemed safe, highly effective, and has caught the attention of many of the most cutting-edge medical clinics for its anti-aging and neuroprotective properties. They've even extended a 20% discount code only for the fried audience, so you can grab yours now at www.nadovim.com with the coupon code BURNOUT. That's www. N A D O V I M dot com with the coupon code Burnout.
1: Like, I'm the person seeing somebody upset on the subway and I'm walking over and giving them a napkin. Like, I don't know how many, I don't walk into the subway here in the city without like napkins. I've, I have, I have, supported numerous bloody noses (laughs) and tears, right? But I think that's part of my, I believe that's part of my special sauce is the, because that's where the mindfulness practice comes in is being aware of what's happening. The difference is now that I know I'm not fixing the situation. I'm just supporting in a way that is low cost to me. And this was, is the
0: question, this is the thing that is low cost to Yes, me.
1: yes. This has been my big learning. I used to operate from empathy and now I operate from compassion. Right? Yeah. Like I was so connected to the other person's woes that I would embody however they were feeling. Because apparently, you know, my therapist says I'm very uh, empathic. And so I've been I've spent the past two years really working on building capacity where I and which supports me in my coaching. Yeah. Right. I can understand how you are feeling without being attached to it, which allows me to stay objective so I can support you. How did you learn that? Yeah. How did you learn that? A lot of it was my mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. And what is
0: your mindfulness practice?
1: Well, you know, mindfulness, as you know, is so broad, right? I mean, the thing that I really love is slowing down, being more present, so that I can notice and connect. Notice inside? Ah, great question. So much of mindfulness, I believe in like mainstream, like what's talked about media and everything, people are talking about going in. But to me, the beauty of the practice is going in so that you can come back out and connect with others in a powerful way. I don't exist in a bubble. Everything that occurs in the world is because humans are interacting moment to moment with one another. And so, as much as I used to say I love to connect with people, like I get my energy, I'm an natural extrovert, I get my energy from people. But I was doing so much, you know, heads down doing work that I had, had stopped. I would come up for air every now and then, meet up with a bunch of people, and then go back into my hole. Now I'm that lady that walks down the street making eye t- contact saying good morning and smiling at people. because but I. New like- York City is like roll, roll <laughs> crazy. <laughs> well, I, you know, there's some people who don't know what to do with that and other people who smile and look surprised and say good morning back. And, and I just feel so much, it just makes me feel so much lighter to be present to like what's happening around me right? And just being out in nature. And when I'm out there walking, I walk at least outside once a week, four miles a day, just enjoying being outside. I go to Morningside Park. It's my favorite park. I look at the ducks. I, ha- I usually ask myself, where did the turtles go if it's cold? Like, where do the turtles go? Like this is a- <laughs> There's an article in me somewhere like, where the frick do the turtles go? Um, honestly. <laughs> and um, just, just having that space, Contemplative space to just. Sometimes I listen to music. Sometimes I listen to um, a meditation. Other times it's just silence, and I'm just breathing in the air, right? Um, so, in the morning, I have a practice where I listen to a mindfulness med- a meditation. Um, it's e- typically it's either a gratitude meditation or it's um, a law of attraction meditation to get me revved up for the day. Part of my practice is also having coffee with my husband and like connecting and having conversation. All of those things are part of my morning ritual. I do a lot of setting intention. It's a word that is now that (laughs) riddles my speech all the time because it's like, yeah, it gets, it makes things so much easier. Like, why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? What's my intention? And it yeah. just helps focus me tremendously, and so those are the things that are most present in my mindfulness practice. Um, just for me, practice I use a lot on the subway. Uh, just like me, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Is that an app? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, the the practice of saying these these people are just like me. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> right, like when when I. I there was a man on the subway the other day and he was, there's something was not right with him. And I was concerned for the, for the safety of this one person cause he was fixated on her. I made eye contact with him. I smiled just so he saw that I noticed that I, I, could, I saw him, but then I was like, I don't know if making sustained eye contact with him is the best move, but I was very aware of him. I oriented my body to face him so I could just be very aware of what was happening. And I, and I said, like, to myself, I hope this, this man can connect with healing. I, I wish him well. I wish him peace because I'm on the subway car with nowhere to go until the next stop. Right? And so what can I do? Rather than be afraid of him, I'm going to send positive feeling to him because he's just like me. He's human, just like me. He's doing the best he can in this moment with the tools that he has just like me. And I'm just going to remain very peaceful and calm and assess the situation when I get to 59th Street because I'd already decided I was going to take the earbud out of the woman's ear, take her by the elbow if she wasn't getting off the train and say, we need to switch trains because that the man's energy towards her was making me uncomfortable. And I felt like I could say that in a compelling enough way to get her to shift because I don't know if she could hear the things he was saying about her. But I was like, in this situation, it serves me and everyone else just to be calm and, and send love, you know.
0: Meta loving kindness. <laughs> yes, just the basics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a massive, massive shift. Mm-hmm. From yeah. where you are to where you were to where you are. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. My friends say they, they all say that I'm me, just a lot more relaxed and calmer, yeah. more positive. And it's not that I wasn't positive before. But honestly, I have joy in my life, which is something I never in a million years would have thought was possible for me. I just didn't think about it. I thought about being happy,
0: but not joyful. What would Shamus today say to Shamus 2017? Because there are people that are living that life right now And they are listening to this episode and they're thinking, that's not possible for me. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought it was possible for me either, honestly. So if you could compel a woman to get off a train, how would you compel Shantmas 2017 to refocus on herself, to fill herself with joy and self-care in a way that allows her to go inside in order to come back out and connect with the world Mm. in a different way? I just totally put Shamus on the spot, you guys.
1: Yeah, I think I would ask me the thing that I was doing, like, what are you chasing? And then I would probably say impact at scale, because that's what I was always saying. Well, what does that really mean to you? And how are you gonna know when you get there? And is, it's, and then the, you know, I, I don't like to ask yes, no questions too much unless it's clarifying, but like, is this how you wanna feel when you're having impact? Is this what impact feels like?
0: (laughs) And do you think when you get to that magical space that this feeling changes? This is the big question, right? Because the the feeling doesn't change. This This was the surprise to me with burnout. Because I got to a place that I didn't think was possible as far as success is concerned. I did not think that what I accomplished was possible for someone like me where I was from, the town that I grew up in, the people that I knew, I didn't think it was possible. And I assumed that if I ever got there, my feelings about myself and my worth would automatically Mm. somehow shift into something different than what they were. But mm. that's just not how it happens. How you feel about yourself and how you talk to yourself and how you care for yourself transforms when you make a decision to change the way you talk to yourself and care for yourself and think about yourself. Yeah,
1: yeah. So many people thought that, oh, I'd had all this success. But in my mind,
0: didn't I feel was it. like,
1: this isn't, I can do so much more. This isn't enough. And it you doesn't know? feel good anyway. Yeah, it didn't feel good, but it was this whole idea of like the whole comparing myself.
0: Yeah,
1: right. I have two Ivy League degrees. Yeah, this is—is this where I'm supposed to be? Have I had? Have I changed the world? Have I? What's going to be big enough? Yeah. Yeah. What is the? Yeah, and that's this thing. It just what's going to be big enough? I hadn't defined what that looked like in a way that incorporated.
0: No, you were using buzzwords. Yeah. Yeah. That don't even really mean no anything. What kind of impact and on what scale?
1: Yeah. What does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. it I kept moving the goalposts.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you don't, because you <laughs> assume that when you get somewhere you're going to feel different. So when you get somewhere and you don't feel it yet, you think, well, I'll shift the goal, and when mm-hmm. I get there, I'll feel it. And yeah. when I get there, I'll feel it. And then you get there and you don't feel it. And you get there and you don't feel it. And you get there and you don't feel it. And yeah. you're like, uh, and then you have a stroke. And you're like, ah, I'll try again.
1: But you know The funny thing about the stroke, because my mother died suddenly after an operation when she was 45, yeah. the stroke just reinforced the fact that I thought I was going to die early. Right. So I so need to have this massive impact on scale now. I, because I'm, I could be running out of time. Right. So the thing that was lurking in the back of my mind, I had evidence to support the possibility that this crazy thing could be true. Right. And it just took me down a whole other craziness, right? And then the other layer is that, you know, as I was building my career, I told myself if I don't have children, then my job needs to be really important. Right? So (laughs) – and then, so then I just kept, that was another thing that was in the back of my mind. My mom had done all this stuff and with so many things, with so many people, by the time she left this earth, what are my checkboxes? What's my legacy going to be? Chase, 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 chase. And then after my strokes, when, I find, when, when my husband and I were finally ready to get married and I started having the conversation about, okay, I'm older, but you know, what about the kid thing? And the doctors were like, ah, no. They're like, you can do it, but you'd risk being disabled or dying. And I was like, well, I'm not interested in that. Got a second opinion. But it was just like, you know, my husband and I were like, oh he has a daughter. She's amazing. And I have several godchildren, nieces, nephews that I spend time with. and Fill it up that cool. way. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm contributing to the lives of children in many ways. Yeah. So I get to let that go. But for a while still, though, you know, like it took some time. Yeah. Right. That was still happening in the background for all those years. Yeah. Right. Until a couple of years ago. So that only shifted for me recently in the past, like three, three years or so. But that was another thing just like rolling in the background. Yeah. And so, yeah, not helpful. No, not helpful. It was just like, I was looking for evidence to confirm what I thought might be true.
0: And then you found it and you thought, mm-hmm. oh shit, I got yeah. to double down.
1: Got to double down. Got to double down. But I wasn't doing things to build my personal capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that question. I, love the, I would have loved to actually see the conversation between Shamus 2017 and Shamus today happen in real time. Yeah, there might have been some, you know, Oh, there would have been some pushback. <laughs> Let's just say it. Let's just yeah. call it what it is. There would have been yeah. some pushback. But really? I know yeah. so many people that are stuck on that hamster wheel
1: yeah.
0: and don't know how to get off it. And those are the people that are tuning into this because they don't know what to do. And this is why I think sharing your story is so important because this is people say, well, if she did it, maybe, maybe I can do it too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If she did it, maybe
0: I can do it too. And I think that that's like so massively, massively important. Apparently I didn't shut off my phone today before we started recording because I am a professional podcaster. My dog was barking in the background. My phone is ringing. You know, we're just having fun over here, folks.
1: We're living life.
0: We're living life.
1: Doing the best we can.
0: With what we got. Yes, right. At this moment in
1: time. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And being kind to myself is something that I work on every day. I have a list next to my bed Mm. that my coach worked with me on about things to do every day. It's like, it's talking about my practices, but it's like, how am I going to be kind to myself? And my morning practices are being kind, but it's like, I'm doing the best I can. If I, if I don't like how something's working, pause, breathe through it, shift. And I, it was like 10 things and I added an 11th thing mm-hmm. because it's like, if you get to this through this list it, or if you, if you're having trouble getting through this list, remember to to be kind to yourself and I've gotten better about it, but you know, the doer in me like checking the boxes. Yeah. Right. Like I don't have to do all those things every day. I'm going to do the best that I can, but remember at the end of it, the whole point is to build capacity, be kind to myself and, because I have my gremlin on my shoulder being like, Shamus, you need to do more, blah, blah, blah. My gremlin's always going to say the same stuff. It's mine,
0: yeah. right? Yeah. I yeah.
1: just get to tell the you know, gremlin to go, you know, you know what? And, and just recommit to being kind to myself. Because I, I love, people say I'm not, I'm not a nice person. <laughs> people who know me, they're like, Shamus, she's not nice. She's kind. Yeah, but, but not like, nice. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not nice. nice. Is nice? What does that even mean? Anybody?
0: My husband someone says knows. that that is the absolute worst compliment you could ever give somebody. The well, worst thing that you can say about <laughs> someone because you it's, what you say, say about exactly. it's what you say. Exactly. It's what you say when there's nothing else defining about them. You're like, well, she's nice.
1: Yeah. Or there may be something, but they don't know them well enough. To know what that word is. Yeah,
0: which means Uh, that that thing is not so obvious. Like mm -hmm. when you meet somebody, especially if if you have like a deep amount of empathy, when you meet somebody, you kind of know those things like right off the bat, you know, you feel like everybody's got a little bit of funk and you usually feel it within the first five (laughs) minutes of a conversation. And if you don't feel it within five minutes of a conversation.
1: Well, they may be holding back.
0: Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But that's when you call them nice.
1: Yeah. But then I get, well, I usually will then get curious about like, who is this person? What yeah, I me too, out? but not everybody's that, I you know, know. I know, I know. My, my, my superpower is just being curious about things. Uh, yeah. Why, why coaching eventually when I finally stepped into it, folks are like, yeah, that took you long enough. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. I started a coaching program when I was running a charter school like seven, yeah. eight years ago and I told myself I was too busy to finish it because I was in my doing. But um, I love this work because we can help. I, I'm like, I've... I'm I'm still on my journey and I've learned so much that I want to support other people to be at their best. I think
0: way. if a coach says that they're not on their journey anymore,
1: they're about to be a
0: really bad coach.
1: <laughs> True, true. true.
0: Like, let me tell you all the things about burnout. I can tell you all the things about burnout. And let me also tell you that if I do not focus on it on a regular basis, I will find myself in burnout town faster than fast. My Google Maps is like the home destination on my Google Maps is like burnout town. It's where I go naturally. I overgive. I overdo. I overbook. I...
1: Yeah. yeah. That's my
0: natural tendency. And I have to work consistently.
1: Consistently. It's a practice. I look at my calendar some weeks and I'm like, why did I do this to myself?
0: This is not fair. This is not
1: kind. Well, yeah. Every week. Really, it's every week now. But I love everything that I'm up to. But it's like, you know, I still have another localized alopecia spot that popped up. Right. When my therapist was on vacation. And when he goes on vacation in August and I had to deal with some stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's what happens, right? Yeah, like, and that's the reaction. My yeah. hair falls out. It's hereditary. You know, other folks in my family have dealt with it. But it's like, as soon as it popped up, I was like, okay, there's something I, I need to get out that I'm obviously not processing enough. Yeah.
0: On. Yeah. Um, and it's time to be kind to myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, but listening to my body has been tremendous. Yeah. Like, I'm now tracking my food and I'm talking to a health coach because I'm my workout. I'm you know my body's reacting I'm working it out but I'm not nourishing it in the re- in the way that works best for me and I'm that's such like, a
0: trial and error process trial and error there.
1: yeah so now I'm I'm working on that because it's like whack-a-mole seriously yeah. <laughs> I'm like as soon as I start figuring something out something else you know but that's just but that's how it goes right that's how it goes but it's just like okay well now I get to learn about something new yeah and then creating space for that thing
0: being kind enough to myself to say, you know yeah. what, there's this other thing that I want to learn and there's this other place that I need to explore and let me do this for myself because it's something that I need. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, I think that the message of being kind to yourself over and over and over again intentionally Yes. Uh-huh. is a really great space to wrap things up in because that's what I would like people to take away from this right now. If I asked you today or Shamus asked you today a really great life coaching question that sounds like, what are you doing on a regular basis to ensure you are being kind to yourself? Would you have an answer? And if you wouldn't, I would challenge you to come up with one and then start practicing. Do you have anything to add to that before we,
1: I I think that's lovely because that, in and of itself is a practice yeah the thing that is, you want to do today might be different tomorrow yeah even if it's the same thing it might present you might do it a little differently right yeah. just playing with it but just the awareness of the importance of it is the first step i totally agree
0: Shamus, yeah. thank you so much for being here. Can you believe how quickly that passed? Oh
1: gosh, yeah. Like <laughs> lightning. Like lightning. Like thank, you,
0: thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your story because that's such a major, major transformation and I really just want people to understand that no matter where they are in this process and no matter how far gone they believe they are and no matter how stuck they feel mm-hmm. in their patterns, yeah. this is you're a really amazing example of the fact that this really can change and it takes work and it takes effort and it takes a therapist and a coach and a, and a, and a, and a. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) but that it's doable
1: yes it is support it's all about for me it's about asking for support
0: yeah yeah and And i will include all of Shamus's um info in the show notes so that if she is the person that you feel like needs to support you you can find her because that's really important. So all of that information will be in the show notes. And thank you again so much for being here. And thank you guys for listening out there in everywhere land. I love your ears and I love your brains and I love you. And I hope you love yourself today too. And I will talk to you next time.